Welcome to the Paul Stone Sports Podcast. For over 30 years, Paul Stone has been seriously handicapping college football, college basketball, and PGA Tour golf. Over the past five seasons, spanning almost 600 releases, Paul has hit 55% against the spread in college football, gaining the respect of sports books and bettors throughout the world. He is monitored by highly respected the Sports Monitor of Oklahoma City. Paul has also won two major Las Vegas football handicapping contests and finished in the top four in two others. Each week, Paul will provide exclusive handicapping insights on the podcast. To receive Paul's exact picks each week, you can sign up for member-only access at paulstonesports.org. Now, on to the show. Welcome to the Paul Stone Sports Podcast, and I'm Paul Stone. This is our second podcast. Had a smashing debut uh, last week with our inaugural podcast, and appreciate everybody listening it truly exceeded uh, all of our expectations, and we're really looking forward to providing uh, our listeners with some unique and, and useful content here on the Paul Stone Sports Podcast. Today's podcast titled, When to Enter the Marketplace, and I'm going to get right to it. not going to waste a whole lot of your time. We're going to try to keep this at 30 minutes or so. I'm going to continue to uh, be by myself for these first few podcasts. We'll probably within a month anyway, we'll start integrating some guests in, start using the telephone and so forth. But for now, I'm going to go over some things that I think are useful as we're in the quote-unquote off-season, as many of us are beginning to look at our preparation for the college football and perhaps the NFL season, if you handicap that sport as well. But let's get right to it again. Today's podcast titled, When to Enter the Marketplace. In my opinion, many new and novice level bettors fail to really understand the importance of entering the marketplace at the most advantageous point. The central theme in my mind of this shortcoming is failing to understand the criticality of getting the best number and hand in hand uh, with that, having multiple outs and not being limited to one shop at one price. I have an acquaintance, you know, whom I would describe as, as something less than a serious better. You know, he simply wants a little skin in the game uh, to get his heart rate up a touch uh, every weekend. Uh, he contacts me fairly regularly on fall Saturday mornings and always poses the same question. Where's the sharp money going today? Who are the wise guys on? You know, I filter my response somewhat to, to his question, but in my opinion, the truthful no-holds-barred response should be, if somebody's waiting until two hours before game time on Saturday morning, then they're probably not very sharp or very wise. Uh, there are certainly exceptions to this without any question. Uh, you know, some people may wait until later in the week to enter the marketplace because they're seeking higher limits. Uh, and, the, you know, the betting limits in general, they tend to get higher as we progress through the week. So that certainly would be a... Uh, you know, a very legitimate reason for entering the marketplace a little bit later if you're wanting to bet larger amounts. You know, another exception would be taking advantage of, of special promotions and pricing. An example of that being books that offer 105 juice instead of the standard 110, maybe on a certain day. In the past, I believe the Westgate and South Point and some other places maybe in Las Vegas have offered this reduced vigorous uh, on Thursdays, it seems like. I don't know what their plans are this season, but I'm sure that's going to be available to many of you nationwide as we go uh, embark upon another football season. 
But this constitutes, in my opinion, an excellent reason to enter the marketplace later in the week. Uh, let's say you make nine straight bets. If you make nine straight bets at minus 110 juice, the, the standard juice, go five and four, um, you know, that, that's, that's nice. If you can do that every week, you know, you'll be in the penthouse. You go five and four at minus 110 juice, your rate of return on your investment is 6.1%. However, if you make those same nine bets at the same point spread, and you make those bets at minus 105 juice and go five and four, the same record, your rate of return almost 8.5%. So the difference between minus 110, laying 110, and laying 105 at 110 going five and four, 6.1 rate of return at minus 105, almost 8.5 rate of return. So certainly a significant difference there on your rate of return. You know, but I understand, first of all, that each individual has their, their own approach and methodology uh, and mine certainly is to bet at a true market-making book. And my, it's in an effort to get the best possible number and ultimately beat the closing line more often than not. Uh, for the last couple of years, many of you know that the Circa Sportsbooks uh, in downtown Las Vegas have been the first in the world to post opening lines on sides and totals for the following weekend's college football games. And they do that around 11 a.m. Pacific each Sunday. Limits typically have been 2,000 on sides and 1,000 on totals, maybe not rich enough for some better's blood, uh, but that you know meshes well with my overall betting habits and strategy. Many of you also know I've been a regular at, at Circa's unveiling of these numbers, and certainly the college football plays I make before noon each Sunday collectively comprise more than half of my betting portfolio for the following Saturday. You know, many football bettors, uh, even more sophisticated ones, are not comfortable, quite frankly, entering the marketplace in some cases just 11 or 12 hours after the previous weekend's college football games have concluded. They don't have key injury information. Uh, it might not even yet be known, might not be widely available. Plus, they haven't had ample opportunity to scour box scores and uh, seek out key statistical information. And besides, they're watching the NFL games. Uh, you know, they usually have reached, maybe just reached halftime about the time that Circa unveils their uh, college openers for the following week. And many of these guys are going to be heavily involved in, and invested, for that matter, in monitoring those outcomes. So for a number of reasons, you know, they're simply not prepared or interested in entering the marketplace at that early juncture. But college football is what I do. And one man's inaction is another man's opportunity, so I seize it, and that's a critical part of what I do each week. So as I'm watching Saturday's games, the day before the next week's openers are unveiled at Circa, as soon as those early games on Saturday start drawing to a conclusion, I begin my process of updating the various teams' power ratings, uh, ultimately craft my own point spread on the following weekend's games, in some cases, you know, I may have already even jotted down, uh, in pencil of course, what I expect the opening line to be in a game, even before the participating teams in that game have played their previous week's game. But I only do that in certain cases, and only do it when I really don't believe that the outcome on that Saturday is going to have much, if any, impact on the following weekend's point spread. Uh, my preparation on that Saturday lasts until late Saturday night. Uh, usually right before the late West Coast games have concluded. And then I'm right back at it. I get up very early Sunday, 
5 a.m. or earlier, uh, start working on it and continue working on it. Hopefully my preparation is far enough along and I have what I feel are good numbers to the point that I can take a break, uh, maybe about 8 o'clock or so, and maybe exercise for an hour to uh, break up the grind, break up the monotony of making numbers. Uh, but it just depends. You know, sometimes I'm able to take that break and other times, you know, I might be refining and fine-tuning my lines all the way up until 11 a.m. Matt Metcalf, Jeff Davis, and those guys at Circa, they are excellent about posting their college openers at 11 a.m. Uh, they, you know, 11 a.m. means 11 a.m., and they get them out uh, promptly on time, and you, uh, you got to be ready to go. Uh, sometimes, you know, I participate in person downtown at the Circa Sportsbook, but more typically, uh, this past season, I chose to do my business on the book's mobile app. Primary reason for this, I'm more quickly able to have individual bets processed, uh, therefore having more time to move to the next better bets, giving me the greatest opportunity to get the best number, or at least a better number, on a higher percentage of games. Uh, as I said, the title of this podcast is When to Enter the Marketplace, and embedding Circus College openers, entering the marketplace even a, even a few seconds later could mean taking state U, say, at, at plus three, instead of plus four, which was chewed up by some other guy in the virtual marketplace who was just a little bit quicker uh, to the trigger in making their decisions. So uh, it's very uh, critical how quickly you enter the marketplace on these Sunday morning openers at Circa in downtown Las Vegas. Much like betting the college football games of the year uh, at the South Point on the tip of the strip uh, in Las Vegas, uh, I highlighted those last week in the process that I undergo in betting the games of the year there. Betting the openers at Circa is largely something that centers around identifying discrepancies in your numbers and theirs and taking what you believe to be the value. And also similar to, to South Point's games of the year, you want to make certain that any number you're taking at Circa late Sunday morning is better than any number you're going to find at any other point during the week. If that's not the case, it really is kind of, you know, it, it defeats the purpose of doing it. Uh, you know, Circa is the true market-making book in the world when it comes to college football openers. So you should be able to say, truthfully, on multiple occasions during the year that I'm the only person in the world who has this team at this number. Uh, betting the Circa openers, you know, I'm going to have positive value on my collective portfolio uh, essentially each and every week. Uh, it's important to note uh, that at least one point of that value that I possess was created by my own bet. You know, the property is going to move the line at least one point uh, on virtually every uh, better's individual bet. So I created some of that movement, and, and I want the independent market to concur with me. So I take that to account as well. If, if the, the line movement's only two points from the, from the opener, for instance, I created at least half of that movement. So it's not nearly as significant. And while I have value just about every week, that's not to suggest that I win every week betting Circa's openers. You know, these college games have a great deal of what we call variance. And always having value uh, doesn't necessarily translate into always making money. You know, that's just the nature of the business. you got to get used to that. Sometimes you do all the right things. You have the value, which is the, the bottom line, what we're trying to do, and you can lose. So that happens. But the objective, again, is to have value and hopefully significant value uh, in some of those cases on a majority of your tickets. You know, that way, if you do have that, you know, you can rest assured you did your due diligence 
uh, you did your homework. As I like to say, as a better, I can always control my process, but I can never control the outcome. I had a guy get on my case last year. We, we took a team and uh, I published it and, and, and put it out on the airwaves and a lot of people got access to it, but I took a team and released it. I think it plus 13 or 13 and a half. The line uh, closed in that game at nine and a half. So we had significant value, really felt good about it. As fate would have it, that team got blown out and they got beat by four touchdowns. So the plus 13 and a half uh, that we had, or the plus 13, all that value, it didn't make any difference. We lost the bet and we lost by a sub substantial margin and the game outcome, even from a betting perspective, you know, was decided quite early. And that guy jumped on my case. And I hate to say it, I'm sorry that I lost that, and I'm sorry that I promoted it uh, in various media outlets, but that's what you strive for. You strive for value, and if you get value more times than not, you know, you're going to win. So, uh, you know, that, that's the object of the game. You know, as a better, I'm going to do most of my betting again on Sunday. And that's not to say, you know, there's still good bets to be made on Monday and Tuesday and even later in the week. And I make bets on some of those days. But one thing I try to religiously avoid is taking a team at a worse number than was available at any previous point in the week. You know, if you're laying 19 on Wednesday and 18 was available the day before, you know, long term, you know, that's not optimal. I'll admit that. But it's probably not going to make a whole lot of difference because the line's higher and you're not crossing any uh, key potential margins of victory. It's probably just not going to have any long-term consequence. But if you're laying three and a half on Friday and three was available on Thursday and maybe every other day earlier in the week, then that's going to come back and get you at some point. You know, the latter – um, that example that I just gave, laying three and a half when three was available most of the week, something I'm just never going to do. You know, outside of a key injury or critical piece of information, I'm just going to avoid that at all costs. So in summation, from my perspective and my handicapping style, it's better to enter the marketplace earlier in the week than later in the week. If you enter later in the week, you know, you have to, you have to know this. The number has been bet into and massaged by literally millions of people, and it has involved millions of dollars, and the value has been sucked out on all sides and all totals. Important to note again, and I'll say this often, I bet numbers, not sides. I bet prices, not teams. Uh, to add some clarity and specificity to, to my recommendation and kind of how I approach the handicapping puzzle, I am a so-called fundamental handicapper, meaning that I do assess certainly the relative strengths and weaknesses of the participating teams against one another. So I do bet teams in that regard, but only at a certain number. Uh, and the number is always more important than the team, especially later in the season when everybody's power ratings should essentially look the same, you know what you're doing. So when somebody asks me, and this happens too, they ask me on Friday or Saturday or maybe even on Thursday or whatever day, they ask me the question, who do you like? And we all get asked this question probably at some point or another. And my question, my answer rather, as it should be, is going to be, well, I liked A&M at minus four, but that's no longer available. You know, they're now laying six or six and a half, so I don't like it anymore. And that kind of underscores, again, the mantra. It's not so much about picking winners. It's more about picking teams at certain numbers. And if you're by price, if you're magic number, if it's not available, if it's disappeared, then look further down the sheet. 
you know, there's lots of games each week and lots of opportunities. Uh, and I always like to say as well, you know, I don't even like to bet. I like to win. So if you're trying to win, you know, you have to be selective. And sometimes a team that you wanted to bet on, the price has gotten away from you. Did, you didn't get there quick enough or the, the price just concurs with what you have and you thought it was going to be more favorable to your position or your thought process and it just wasn't. you got to bite the bullets. you got to pass on that game. You've got to look elsewhere. So, again, to summarize, and, again, I'll repeat things, uh, you know, fairly regularly just to hopefully make an impression. I believe the best time to bet is earlier in the week rather than later. I like to think of it as a huge sale, a huge sale, let's say, at a, a massive department store. The sale's seven days long. By the sixth or seventh day, I mean, the racks are going to be cl- picked clean. You know, most of the good buys, if not all the good buys, are gone. But if you go on the first day of the sale – the first minutes of the sale or early in the sale, you know, you're going to pretty much have first dibs. You'll get a lot of the better deals at better prices, and that's before the masses show up later on. But to do this, to be there early, you've got to get up early. You've got to have done extensive preparation. You have to have done your homework. You have to be prepared. You've got to know what a deal looks like. If you're willing to work, you know, I think, again, bet early. So, again, bet early, get the best of the number, have closing line value. All of this is going to give you some cumulative edges towards your goal of becoming a long-term winner. Going to wrap it up now. Everybody have a great June weekend. Until next time, I'm Paul Stone, and so long. Thank you for listening to the Paul Stone Sports Podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. And visit paulstonesports.org to sign up for member-only access to Paul's college football, college basketball, and PGA Tour golf picks and predictions. 